0: And yet, I want it back. I want somebody to make a performance-centered, hour-long holiday show. Who's going to do it? Somebody give it to me.
1: Yeah. Hear that world out there? Maybe someone out there can put that together for us. I want the
0: Foo Fighters to do a song on somebody's holiday special (laughs) with Christy McNichol
1: and Carol Burnett. That's right.
0: And maybe Cloris Leachman is on there, too.
1: I don't know. Wouldn't that be great? Hello world, is a song that we're singing, come on get happy, a whole lot of love is what we'll be bringing, we'll make you happy. Welcome
2: to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who grew up hating that Burgermeister Meister Burger
0: and sang every Christmas song in a chipmunk voice. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition.
1: Today, we will be saving our super 70s holiday experience. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. We'll make you happy. you to open your gifts that I dropped off for you. This is really exciting. This is is very exciting. So here we go. I'm gonna watch you open it. (laughs) Okay. Ripping that paper. Okay, I love that sound. No! No. My my favorite. You guys. Okay, listeners. They have opened up it's not Christmas unless you get this. The lifesaver hard candy sweet storybook. And let me tell you, this was the gift that I wanted every year at the holiday Christmas party in our classrooms when we would have a little number that we would draw out of a hat and each present under some tree because we had Christmas trees in there um, would have a number on it. And I always wanted the one that was about three by five because I knew it was the Lifesaver storybook and I never got it. So you I never wanted got to make it? sure never no, got... I never oh. got it. And, my, and I didn't even get one from Santa did Santa Mouse leave it? Santa Mouse left it for us. Oh, see, of course. That, that figures, <laughs> Michelle. You always got what you wanted. Okay, want. I got it.
2: Santa I Mouse got... also left it for my kids every year, but I always wanted to just be full of the um, wild cherry ones. Yeah. There were some grandma
0: flavors in there for sure, like Winto Green. I don't, I I I was, need, I don't need Winto Green. need rum. Oh, butter. God. That's totally like grandma.
1: <laughs> Let me just be a little Grinchy. The other one, the ones when we were younger, had Lifesavers on both sides. So there were 10 packs right. in there. So Yeah, right. we had up, both this sides. This only has five, or one, two, three, four, maybe six. Um, And they're all the same flavor in these. What? So oh it's no. not even the variety. No. These, yeah. You don't these get Pepo the... No. Lento Green? Oh, yeah, Pepo I forgot about Pepo Mint. <laughs> well, these memories, you guys, I was so excited when I was um, – Chosen to be the host for this episode because I love Christmas and I love the nostalgic part of it, and I love um, I love being a parent and getting to share those um, shows with my children that we grew up watching. Um, although it's a little bit different for them because we can pop it on YouTube or what, whatever whenever we want. And we had to wait 365 days for Frosty the Snowman to come on again. Or um, can I just argue that yes. I think that's better? The having to wait for it, I think, is better.
0: My kid would watch Santa Claus is Coming to Town all year round, and I just don't think he enjoys
1: it as much as I do. I totally agree. I don't think they were even, um, they weren't designed to be watched that often. I mean, there's just that gift of waiting and knowing it's going to come on. I remember getting the TV book out of, what's what we called it, the TV book on Saturdays out of our newspaper and during the Christmas season going and finding what time and day every one of those shows was going to be on and circling it and then putting it on the refrigerator because I was mm-hmm. not going to miss one because one and done. I mean, you missed it, no VCR. If you missed
0: it, you had to wait 365 days to see it.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, and that
2: did your kids um, like them as much as as you did cuz i know when my girls were little they liked them like toddlers but then once they got you know i don't know 8 9 years old zero interest in um you know even like well like Rudolph always would scare them which it scared me too That's as a kid scary. but neither one of them ever um liked charlie brown christmas oh god you're breaking
0: my heart right now
2: I, talk about <laughs> heartbreak i almost said <laughs> i might be out crying a little bit. bit yeah
0: i might mm-hmm. be crying <laughs> Mm -hmm. I thought about taking them to the orphanage. I think part of this has to do with the fact that when... So you get your TV guide, you do your circles, you put it on the refrigerator, and then you would generally sit in front of the TV and wait with somebody. You weren't alone. You were either with your siblings or you were with the neighborhood kids. If it was a get-together, a neighborhood get-together, you might have a whole gaggle of children in front of the TV all waiting for Charlie Brown. And so here's me now as an adult going going, who's going to watch Charlie Brown with me? And my son is like, um, I'm going to be in my room. I right, <laughs> yep. do know. Do this with me.
2: Somebody do right. this with me. But then it makes me wonder, do we like them? Because if we watch them, are we watching them through a filter of just our own nostalgia and we love it?
0: Or are they kind of crap? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it is both because I, there was a little tinge of a difference to the Charlie Brown on Apple plus this year. And I, every time I felt like a nanometer of a difference, I would swivel my head and I would look at my husband like, oh, what's wrong with his voice? Like there's <laughs> something, that's not the color of the sky. It's wrong. It's different. And so I was analyzing it with a little bit of a difference. Different lens. And in so doing, I'm like, God, the dialogue is really stilted. The story is not that dynamic. But it was so special to us because we only got the one opportunity to see it each year and we did it with all of the kids mm-hmm. in the neighborhood. Right. It was all the
1: feelings that surrounded it. Yes. Um, because I had this fun, slash, um, eye opening trip down memory lane as I was getting ready for this podcast and thinking about some of the shows that um, I have a distinct memory of watching and the feeling I had what, while I was watching them. And one of them is called, um, I don't know if you guys remember, it was called The Littlest Angel. Mm-hmm. And I actually, once I read the synopsis, again, this was when Maggie was little, I thought, I don't think I need to her to watch it. But um, it was, so Johnny Whitaker, who played Jody in Family Affair. And Salmon and the Sea Monsters. This is true. And yes. Salmon and the Sea Monsters. See, was, Dad or not, uh, Dad? Good question. He's not dead. Oh, good. Not and dead. And he has a website, and you can go on. We could probably call him at some point and have him as a guest on here because that's about where he is in his career. But anyway, um... <laughs> I'm sure he's going to want to come on now. <laughs> no. We can edit that out. But, we love you. Um... I'll tell you, first of all, um, before I even get into the little story I want to share about Littlest Angel, is that um, there is a woman, her name's Joanna Wilson, and she was great. I reached out to her before this episode. She has a website called um, Christmastv.com and a book she actually wrote called Tis the Season, where she basically um, gives synopses and her memories of all of these Christmas either TV specials or the Christmas episodes of sitcoms or dramatic series. She does it all. And so she had a great, a great little part of, um, about the littlest angel. So great that in the comments, Johnny Whitaker responded. <gasps> wow. He said he had discovered it. Um, I like apart. how we're super
2: impressed. I know, right?
1: <laughs> he, um, uh, This was actually, she wrote it in 2016. And so he said, um, well, I was just searching the web entries on The Littlest Angel, and this showed up. I am truly honored that so many remember this great Christmas classic. The tunic I wore will be at the Hollywood Museum to to benefit a minor consideration, which must have been a nonprofit. Um, And this was in 2016. And there is some narration of my experience doing the film on my YouTube channel. So he has a YouTube channel. Okay. Okay. Um, And he, for those of you who don't remember this classic TV show or TV movie, it was, um, he has a tunic because he was an eight-year-old shepherd. So this is set when um, young boys were shepherds and he, uh, the (laughs) beginning scene, he's singing and he follows this white dove that he wants to catch off of a cliff and he dies. So right off the bat, I know.
0: Before you even said cliff, <laughs> uh, my heart was already going. Oh no, I remember this. Yeah, oh, and so that, why do they subject us to I such melodrama? And
1: the story is about poor Johnny Whitaker being homesick. He's in heaven and he's the littlest angel because everyone oh, Jody, else kind of lives. this is heartbreaking. It's horrible.
2: It was, <laughs> and, I, mean, I don't watch movies like that now. I can't even right. imagine my little child self.
1: Well, I would have. Yeah. I would have been. I would have been I would dream anxiety. about this scene cuz they just show him kind of going off the cliff they don't show him like tumbling or anything.
0: But okay, my eyes are all the way back <laughs> in my head right now like they I would know really
1: fall off the cliff. My 7-year-old, 8-year-old self would imagine like what that was like, but kind of then the next scene is he's in heaven. Um and it gets more interesting because it's a star-studded cast that's part of this program. <laughs> are they in heaven? Are they all are in hate are, yes, they they are, uh, are in heaven? Yes, they are all dead. His guardian angel is um Fred Gwynn.
0: Herman Munster.
1: Herman yeah. Munster. So talk about like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like <laughs> your world's his colliding. Guardian angel. Yes. And he sings. He sing, and his wait, name is. Wait, patience. wait, wait, wait. So, wait, Herman Munster sings? Yeah, Herman Munster sings. It's like a musical TV. Oh, okay. (laughs) So Herman Munster sings. His name is Patience. That's his name is the angel. And he sings as well as um, Tony Randall also. Yes, we're talking about Felix Unger. Tony Randall stars in this program as well, and he also sings. As does Connie Stevens. I don't know if any of you remember Connie oh, Stevens, but she would I be can her. She's on the yes. level a lot. Love <laughs> Love American, American style. style. Love American style. Love yes. American Style and Fantasy Island. Well, she's also in this program along with E.G. Marshall, who played God. Cab Calloway is like the Jazzy oh Angel. God. It was very star-studded. What year was this? Yeah, I was wondering that too. Yes, that <clears throat> would be the year of 1970.
0: Oh, that's earlier than I. thought. Yeah, but it had been okay.
2: on reruns, and I'm so, on, so yeah. I, this I, I don't remember it at right. all when I mentioned it to my husband. He he does remember it. So I don't he,
1: think I, it repeated a lot. I think there was this section. Of, it wasn't like a frosty, or a, obviously we don't. You'd have to you have to really go search for it today, but um, it was a Hallmark Hall of Fame, and if you remember back. When we were younger, too, those were very special times when Hallmark Hall of Fame movies would come out. They were Mm -hmm. usually during a holiday, whether it was Thanksgiving or Easter or whatever, they'd have their little specials. but um, So, yeah, this was a Hallmark Hall of Fame, 1970, and then I'm not sure how often it was rebroadcast, but if you go to Joanna Wilson's website, I'm sure that's in some of her information.
0: I feel like I saw it. I definitely saw it. I can't imagine my mother sitting me down in front of a show in which an angel falls off a cliff and dies but i think that they just didn't have as much concern for us back then i and i also think i read the book
1: yes i was going to say it's based on the book it was a little golden oh, book okay
0: um, was it like a children's book i feel yes. yeah
2: and so, um but jody wasn't in the book right no but okay. what happens yeah. to him is it does he like to get to go back to earth or anything or is he just dead oh no well he's <laughs>
0: just dead,
2: but he doesn't <laughs> he like he new heaven
1: family. Yes. Um, and it's a great plot line. And once you get over the initial eight year old falling off the cliff, um, he does go back, but, uh, cause he has to get some things uh, that he has at home to bring to heaven because you have to give a gift and he doesn't have anything in heaven. Um, so he, they let him go back one time to get this treasure box that he has he goes over and he hugs his mom.
2: No, don't even. Oh, no, God, yeah. no. Uh-huh. So,
1: yeah. So there are some real tear-jerking moments. But it has a happy ending. I don't want to spoil it for you because you can watch it on YouTube. And we'll put in the show notes a couple places you can I'm find totally it if you it. Um, want to. And Joanna, actually, in her... um blog post that she, when she wrote about it, she had found the album, the LP at a vintage record store, and that's what prompted her to actually write about it. So it actually has an accompanying soundtrack.
2: I'm going to find an image and share it on Instagram, because I bet we have a lot of listeners that will remember it.
1: Yes. So, um, th- but that was one of those that had a couple of years, and I just so remember where I was and what kind of TV we had and all of that when I was watching that show. Um are there any of shows like that for you guys that were maybe just during when we were young and they're not these repetitive ones that our kids can have access to and stuff like that? That you didn't yeah. circle
0: in the TV book.
2: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember, um, do you guys remember The House Without a Christmas Tree? Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So, The House Without a Christmas Tree, it's, it's this pretty horrible story. <laughs> Again, that's, that's a horrible story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one of those we all remember kind of with a twisty stomach, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah you remember you liked it, but at the same time you feel like there's some sort of forgotten trauma that you're not remembering. And like, what was it about that story? Um, so the house without a Christmas tree started as a television movie. It was on CBS and it started in 1972 and it ran yearly until about 1977. Um, and I know for me, I remember watching it all the time, but I'm I remember more reading the book and the book the actually, the book by Gail Rock, you'll remember the cover and I'll share that. I think I'll share that on Instagram too. The co- uh, the book um, actually didn't come out till after. So it was a movie first and then the book came out in 1974. So the cover um, is from the movie, right? The book one cover? of the covers, not there's several covers. Okay. One of them, it's um, sort of there's one of them where he's lifting her up to put a star. Oh, spoiler! To put a star <laughs> on the Christmas tree, yeah. and that one the the cover art was more like the uh, movie. I but think that's I, what the I one I remember, remember, she's dragging the Christmas tree through the snow. Yeah. Okay, um, and that's the cover. By herself, right? I, I might remember having both yes. of it. I read that book all the time, but much like the movie. Um, the book filled me with so much anxiety and despair but yet I read it all the time. Um,
0: there, I think there was some kind of, there was some sort of need in the seventies for us to experience melodrama. There has to be because they uh-huh. there we were exposing these little children to these sad, sad things. And my mother loved this show. She loved it. And she, she made did? it all. Oh, she loved it. And I was a little bit confused by it because I thought it was scary because I was afraid of Jason Robards and how okay. she had this scary dad. Or was it her grandpa? I can't remember. No, it's her, well,
2: Okay. Okay. So that's, that
0: brings up my point is that
2: the dad, yes. So the, the, um, quick synopsis is that it's 1946 and Addie is 10 years old and she's, um, super outspoken and she's super free spirited and we immediately love her, right? She's, you want to be her friend, but then there's her dad. Who, yes, Kristen, you're right. I always thought is it her grandpa because he's super old. Yeah, it's he's Jason old Robards in the movie. He's super old and he's super grumpy and he's irritable. Probably like 42. Yeah, and we hate him <laughs> immediately, right? We hate him. He yes. makes us scared. And then there's her. They live with the dad's mom, her grandma, who looks to be almost the same age as oh. Jason Robards, but she's his mom, and she's like quirky, and they call her. There's, like, a big debate at school if she's a nut or character, Um, and but she's also, like, super no-nonsense, and she's um, super loving to Addie, and we love her uh, right away. Yeah, Um, right. And then, yeah, so then basically the conflict throughout the whole story is how Addie wants a Christmas tree, and the mean dad refuses to get her a Christmas tree, and then we later learn it's because... The Christmas tree reminds him of Addie's mom who died shortly after giving birth to Addie and that for 10 solid years the dad has blamed Addie for the mom's death. Had tragedy and, like, after that, tragedy That's not like after we think tragedy. that. And that's yeah. not like it's not like we we think that's probably why like they, no, they say, say <laughs> he <They always laughs> says it. And Addie says at the beginning to like her grandma, I don't think dad loves me. And he never hugs me or tells me he loves me. It's so sad. And um, anyway, so then... Addie wins a classroom tree, and then the dad blows, you know, cork because she brings it home. Um, So she gives it away. Mind you, they had had not had a Christmas tree her entire life. Yeah. Right. And she's, like, embarrassed at school because she doesn't have one. So then they have a contest, who gets the classroom Christmas tree, and then she wins. She brings the Christmas tree home.
0: And doesn't she, like, uh, I don't know if I've made this up or not, but isn't there some scene where she's dragging the tree through the snow by herself? This tiny child dragging this big tree. Well, no, so she, her
2: and her best friend, Carla May, who's like, clearly, if you watch the movie, Carla May is like one of the best characters in the movies. They drag the Christmas tree to her house. They decorate it all with construction paper ornaments. Then the dad comes home, sees it, freaks out. So she then drags it. You're right. Drags it through the night and gives it to the poor family who doesn't have a Christmas tree. And then the dad freaks out even more because now he's worried that all the, what the townspeople are going to think. So, of course, then that spurs him to get a Christmas tree for Addie because he just wants to save face in front of the town. So at the end, we're supposed to, like, love the dad. And I did I never love did. the dad. You mean oh, me? at the <laughs> no, end, well, no, mean dad. Mean, You're mean supposed dad. to
0: forgive him by the
2: end, and I still didn't. You I did was still afraid so of him.
0: Well. So, yeah, happy, happy Merry Christmas. It just is not working for me. (laughs) But my mom loved
2: it. Well, I did obviously I, I watched it every year and I read that book. I mean, my yeah, my book was so dog eared. There has to be something in it that I loved. But
0: it just Well it is could be horrible. tapping into there is something to be said, for we do need to feel some melancholy every once in a while. Or if you're feeling sad, then when you see other sad people and yeah. that it makes you feel better or it makes you feel seen or it makes you feel understood. And maybe that was the highs and lows of the seventies or something. I like that. loved Addie so much. Like
2: I loved loved the char- her character and i loved her relationship with her grandma and so i think that's probably what kept me reading and then the the relationship with the dad there was kind of a little bit maybe of a horror movie aspect, you know, it was yeah. scary and I didn't it like it. And so maybe,
0: you know, that's, that's, that's a good read. Right. Okay. So am I the only person we already talked about how I thought that the grandma was the grandma from the Waltons and apparently oh, yeah. that was wrong, but I right. also thought Addie was Laura Ingalls. Am I the only no. person that thought that was Laura Ingalls? <laughs> Well,
2: yeah, yeah. I, so. <laughs> I have some fun facts about her, but actually, I have a fun fact about her, um, Kristen. Her name is Lisa Lucas. She is not dead, she oh. is 59 years old. Um, and she was actually nominated for a New York Film Critics Circle Award for playing Jill Clayburgh's daughter in the 1978 movie, An Unmarried Woman. Oh, I remember that movie. And she also played Shirley MacLaine's daughter in the 1977 film, The Turning Point.
0: I saw the turning point. There was a sex scene in there, and my mom tried to put a paper (laughs) bag on my head. But I thought they were. I'm like, why can't I see this? They're just rolling in the bed. I just thought people were rolling in the bed, and she's making it into a big fat deal.
2: Yes, her name is Lisa Lucas. So look her up. And then my other fun fact. Well, actually, this one isn't fun at all. Um, But Alexa Kennan, who played her best friend Carla May, Carla May, who was adorable in the movie. She was in a bunch of after-school specials. Um, she was in Little Darlings. And then later, oh. she played Jenna in Pretty in Pink. Remember Andy's Jenna, friend? Yeah. And she And she was found mysteriously dead in real life at age 23, just what? before Pretty in Pink was released. So if you watch Pretty in Pink, they dedicate the movie to her. Why don't
0: we know this?
1: and some of the best Christmas stories came from holiday episodes of our favorite TV shows. TV shows always had holiday episodes, and um, the one that I remember distinctly is also super sad. So I'm wondering what, as I'm putting my head in my hand here, like, what is um, the attraction to that? Because I was remembering um, the Eight is Enough uh, Christmas episode. It was the very, it was the second season, and it was called um, Yes, Nicholas. There is a Santa Claus. My celebrity crush at the time was Willie Ames, who played Tommy Bradford in the show. And if you recall anything about Eight Is Enough, uh, Diana Highland played the mother in the first season of Eight Is Enough, and then um, tragically in real life she died. And um, between the first and second season uh, airing, and so um, they wrote that into the show and the Christmas. Two part. Remember back in the day when there was two parts the two to be continued. Mm-hmm. Um, the two part episode, they write that in, So it's the first Christmas without mom, and um, it, there's multitude parts of sadness in it. Yeah, that's Will,
2: already heartbreaking. Right.
1: Yes. Um, and Will Gear is actually a special guest in it, and he plays um, a thief slash Santa Claus in it. If um, I, I don't want to give it away, because again, these are things Wait, you can who's watch. Who's Will Gear? Oh, That's is the that grandfather Willie? from the Waltons.
0: Come on. Oh, <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I only know I... their real names. I Zebulon. Thought... His name's Zeb.
1: <laughs> oh, we bonded over the Waltons, I thought. And now you we don't did. know who, gra- who played the grandmother, Helen Corby. Come on. Now I can't even remember what her Walton's name is. Don't even test Carolyn. Oh, I know. Because no, you're putting me on the spot. Sorry. I want to say the with a C, but I can't remember. I'll come back oh, to
0: that. Oh, is it Cora. I believe it's Cora. Zeb and Cora.
1: Yes. So Zeb, Will Gear okay. was also I'm a down guest star in this um, show and played, ended up being Santa to them and little Nicholas bonded with Will. But there's a scene at the end of the second episode that I dare you guys to go back and watch it and not fall. <laughs> because Tommy, a.k.a. Willie Ames, um, has just been... Beside himself, just up in his room, um, moody this whole Christmas season. Um, meanwhile, they have a new mom because uh, the dad, Tom Bradford Senior, has remarried Betty Buckley.
0: So, are and we to believe Abby? that Tom Bradford Abby. married Abby within a year of his wife dying? Yeah, I know. We we just believe also that. that courtship. If you go back and watch that,
2: because I recently rewatched some of those first ep- episodes when Abby comes in wow, there is zero chemistry, and it's yeah, so she unbelievable. she was of, like the caretaker.
1: Yeah, it a was she was yeah. Tommy's um, tutor. That's how right. she kind of Because oh. he had broken his leg. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, she uncovers in, I think it's the kitchen cabinet a wrapped present that's a um, written and it's to Tommy from mom. Oh, and mm-hmm. um, yes. And I would so, stop
2: right there. I can't, I can't watch dead mom things.
1: Yes. And he opens it. She gives it to him and it's a, po- a book of poetry by E.E. E. Cummings. And of course she has um, written him a miss- message in the inside cover and they read it. And I dare you not to fall your eyes out when you watch it. And I, Can still feel that. I just, because I loved Willie Ames too. I mean, that was, he was on my wall, you know, next to my bed. And oh, and And your crucifix.
2: Yes. Right (laughs) by the crucifix. You guys, Carolyn has um, a picture that we're going to share that's the best ever. She's asleep in her little Sears canopy bed. And I don't know who well, took the picture and why well, they were taking a picture of I you asleep. On the back but... of
1: it. It's Christmas Eve nineteen. <gasps> okay, it's going up. Yeah. And um, Seren- seventy seven. I have to look. But yeah, yeah. it's
2: Christmas Eve. And on Eve. the wall over over her bed are her posters of Jimmy Nicole. And her crucifix. And her crucifix. <laughs> but the po- posters are also like surrounding the crucifix. <laughs> She's that's being watched over league. by her two right. protectors, Jesus was, and Jimmy.
1: I was being protected, that's for sure. Um, but yes, on, another wall would have been my Willie Ames um, posters. And, you had yeah. to be special to share the wall with Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Yeah. Jimmy, I think I thought I had a chance with Jimmy because he was kind of a little bit under the radar. He wasn't, yeah. you know, um, Donnie or Willie or listen to me, first names or Sean or Leif. He was just a little bit like attainable. He was just
2: Christie McNichols' brother for a long right. time. Yeah. You know, he that's how he was
0: attainable. introduced to. Yeah.
1: that's that You might so run true.
0: into him in the neighborhood.
1: Well, that's right. Yeah, and I actually ran into him. Does on he social live in media. your neighborhood? No. Oh, <laughs> he lives in <laughs> well, Durango, know Colorado. That. We had no, no idea. That's right. Well, back then, I he right. could have shown up anywhere because um, he actually shows up on a Christmas special um, that I loved and watched, which was The Carpenters. But I'll talk about that in a few minutes, Michelle. Any TV sitcom? Uh, oh, or yeah, I have one.
2: Or? I have another one that's actually not. You're right about a lot of them that they uh, love to pull tug on your heartstrings at Christmas, right? And make us mm-hmm. cry. But, um, I have one that doesn't, so it's season one of the Brady Bunch air date was December 19th, 1969. So I was only mm-hmm. like six months old at the time. So I didn't, <laughs> did not watch this in real time, but watched it many, many, many times since called the voice of Christmas. And whose voice are we referring to? Oh, Carol Brady, oh, Carol's yeah. the voice of an angel. Right, So I also, so it's called the voice of Christmas, Christmas, but I think it could maybe an alternate title could be the one where Mike basically blows the whistle on Santa for all the kids watching. <laughs> because if you go back and rewatch it, which I did recently, he, when Cindy goes, first of all, can we just say that. Season one of the Brady Bunch, Cindy has never been cuter. Like she oh, is know. at her cutest. Yeah. And she very quickly goes downhill
0: in <laughs> subsequent seasons, right? Once she seasons, instead of the world, oh, yeah, no. it's a different story
2: completely. Season one, like, oh, she's so cute. So she, you know, Carol loses her voice. She's supposed to sing in the Christmas Eve um, or Christmas morning church. Um uh it's called the know, church service. Circle. And <laughs> I'm going to give you Carolyn's crucifix. Thank you. Hashtag menopause. Okay. So I, here's another question though. Do you guys remember, ever remember from that episode on, did the Brady's ever attend church? Did no, we know they were a church going no, family? Thank no. you. Okay. It was so were anyway, but using her for her voice. So she's supposed to sing and she loses her voice. She gets, laryn- you know, the doctor, it's a very, you know, official diagnosis. The doctor calls and she has something called laryngitis. And so she immediately, you know, they immediately put the towel over her head and the steamer. And basically she walks around the entire episode with a towel over her head, holding the steamer. Like she's trying to direct them where to put the Christmas tree. And she's talking like this the whole time, which you guys, that's so much worse for laryngitis than just talking.
0: No, it goes over here.
2: Yeah. Um, but when Cindy, so Mike's got to take the kid, take the little ones to see um, Santa Claus. So he takes, he's going to run to the the department store. And this is so funny. There's a long line to see Santa. And he's like, oh man, like the store's going to, something like the store's going to close soon. And Cindy's like, it's okay, daddy. I can stand here in this line all by myself. And it's this long line, like a really long line. And he's like, oh, are you sure? She's like, daddy, like I am old enough. And he's like, oh. Okay, Cindy, well, you stay here. I'll be back in a little bit. So literally Mike leaves Cindy alone (laughs) in line. For who knows how long, she gets up to see Santa. Which already, I'm like, "Where's Dad?" Like this is so sad. She's gonna have to go see Santa without Daddy even there. But she goes. He he reappears when she's sitting on Santa's lap, and all she wants for Christmas is for mommy to get her voice back. And Santa is just like he. It's kind of creepy because he's telling her what a cute little girl. She, you know, oh, you're such a pretty little girl. And her and, underwear
0: is always showing too. <laughs>
2: Her her
0: dresses are always so short. She climbs into Santa's lap, and they're Grinderbunders. So
2: she's sitting there. So Mike appears just in time to hear Santa promise Cindy that, yes, Mommy will get her voice back. So now somehow... Mike is in the department store locker room with Santa. Who knows where Cindy is? He probably just sent her home by herself. I don't remember Um, this part. He's in the locker room where Santa's like, you know, like, this is why I'm saying as a child, I think this happily went over my head because Mike is actually confronting Santa and saying, like, how can you... Promise Cindy something that you know you can't deliver on. And Santa's like opening the locker and getting his stuff out. Like as if he's about to change to go home. And Mike is kind of confronting him in not a real pleasant way, like, well, yeah. like I don't think that was a right thing to do. And then they get home and Cindy's like, It's okay, mommy, you're gonna get your voice back. I know because I asked Santa and he promised it. And then the music like goes, <laughs> <laughs> But if you guys it's like a really pointed look, like kind of <laughs> of a, the, look over her head. Yes, you do the background music. (laughs) Do the the really slow background music.
1: Well, you know it's interesting that you point all that out now because I remember, because I I watched it a lot as reruns too, and um, that was that never or rarely was a rerun. Like you could, I mean, I could probably count on one hand how many times I saw that versus. Zilly Eno. You know, that's three a good man. point, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. I and wonder uh, if there wasn't some kind of pushback on maybe the you know, Santa reveal.
2: Yeah. Well, she does get the voice back. Well, she does. Works. Just don't don't that's just my favorite. She wakes up on Christmas morning and <laughs> she's like, Good morning. And he's like, say that again. And she's like Merry Christmas! And he's like, sing something, and she's like, Oh, come oh, on! Oh, oh, oh. She like immediately goes into opera So I remember, too, being a kid and watching all of them in the church service, and she is full on opera singing, oh, "Come on, you faithful!" And all the kids are sitting, just smiling at her. So like, we're so proud of her. And I was thinking, if I was one of those kid actors, you guys, I would have been busting up. Because <laughs> okay, another fun fact about that episode because I know we've talked about this before. And so I had to Google this and do a little math. So you're welcome <laughs> for that effort. Um, uh, Alice, you guys in this episode was 43 years old. Stop it! Don't oh. do this to me. Don't take, oh it, back. Oh take it back. Take it She was 40. Okay. It was season one. So, you know, so, still, but still that means, that, Is that, means that yes. Yeah. A little bit.
1: Maybe oh they God. powdered it or something.
2: Carol, uh, so Florence Henderson was like in her mid 30s she was like thirty five or something during this one. But but Alice was only forty three. Oh, oh my god!
0: Okay, and can we just talk about the fact that? Even as a child, I knew it was bullshit that Cindy was going to ask Santa for her mother's voice because right. there was no way I was going to have my opportunity taken away for something like that. I want my magic eight ball. My mom can stay home with laryngitis because I don't want to go to church anyway. <laughs> right? And that was the that's other thing. But all those kids sitting there smiling in church, I was like, that's bullshit. Also, so nobody
2: wants to go to church. Another, another thing I call foul on is that it's Christmas morning service. So when do oh. they open their presents? And they're oh. all dressed with hair ribbons, and the boys are in suits, and right. they're all
1: dressed. Well, I'm going to say, I mean, it wasn't a Catholic service, but the Catholic girl, I me mean, with the crucifix over her head, will tell you that that's usually when we went to church was on oh, Christmas in the morning. morning. Oh, in the morning. I'm so when did you do sorry. your presents? Um, I think we did it before we went to church. At like six there was probably like a ten o'clock service or something. And yeah, we probably got up at the crack of dawn. Wow. Because um, I remember it wasn't till I was in late middle school, like the first time we went to midnight mass. Because in the Catholic, in Catholic, well, I guess they have Christmas Eve services now, but it's not the same as a Christmas Day service. And so, like midnight mass counted. You know, mm-hmm. you to, I grew like, up going to midnight Wait, mass. So mid-
0: the, midnight every year. mass counts for Christmas morning, or do you have yes. to do both? Right, because you no, receive, that counts
1: for Christmas. Receive
2: okay. communion. I'm Episcopalian, and so I grew up from infancy until I was an adult, until I had kids of my own. I went to midnight mass every single year. So mm-hmm. even as a very small child, I was didn't go to bed until you know one in the morning on Christmas Eve, um, and we re- you receive communion right around midnight. So that sort of you, you can know check that's that a Merry box. Christmas. So right. when when church is over, when the service is over, everybody's Hugging and saying Merry Christmas. Um, and then once I had children of my own, I was like, Oh, hell no, we're going to bed on Christmas. We we would go to church on Christmas Eve. But right. and that is such a pain
0: in the ass. I mean, Stop I remember, that. I remember calling it one year because I have a small child and I'm trying to put a dinner on the table. And I'm like, When is when is Santa supposed to come? I can't bring my small child to church, and then when I do dinner, I was just like, Screw church. Yeah. Jesus uh-huh. understands, Jesus knows. Right. Jesus wants us to be happy. Jesus knows this is too much for me. Mm
1: -hmm. That's
0: exactly right.
1: And I I just, I will probably edit this out, but I have this memory of wanting to be that perfect mom on Christmas Eve. And we lived in Virginia and Maggie was in like the children's choir. So I had to get there early because I was like one of my helping moms. And I had to have Andy get Andrew dressed and ready. And Andrew was probably, I don't know, 18 months old, a little toddler. And we had like, the kids had matching outfits, like plaid with their monograms on them and like some big bib thing. <laughs> and Andrew had like knee socks that came up oh, to his stop knees. stop Who like, did not do that to him? I was that mom. I did. No. Well, he was young enough. He didn't care. But <laughs> Andy <knee> cared. So <laughs> finally, you know, the choir sings. I get Maggie. Oh. We scoot into the pew. And Andy leans over and whispers to me, this is the last time we're <laughs> dressing our son like a girl for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so, there were so many snaps and these nylon you know, socks up to okay, I couldn't you had even get him them. On. Dressed like one of like the little royal children. Little they, were, child they, right. were, they had their little mm-hmm. smocked outfits and their monogram. So and cute. They were cute as can be. And yeah, his was a John John. So it didn't even didn't go all the way down. It only like went to the top of his teeth. Oh they were God. called John John. But yes, Andy informed me if he was gonna be getting Andrew ready for mm-hmm. Christmas Eve by himself, that it was not to be in this short stuff. That. Fit no more with, girl clothes. Yeah, no more girl clothes. So mm-hmm. I do have um, that memory of a Christmas Eve and trying to make it perfect and almost getting a divorce. But here we
0: are. So, I always, always say, last... church ruins Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'll edit that out. Church
2: you know what? a needle pointed on a um, Christmas pillow that we put oh, on our sofas. Um, okay, so, wait, but before we move on, the um, the last. Christmas themed episode. I want to mention, I want Kristen to mention because I love how yes, she says it. One. one of our favorite Mary my Tyler Moore one. episodes from season mm-hmm. five, take it away, Kristen.
0: Okay. So this is from season five of the Mary Tyler Moore show. It's called not a Christmas story. And one of the interesting things about it is that it aired on November 9th, 1974. And that's kind of early for a Christmas episode, right? And part of the joke Is that okay? Wait, I'll tell you the story first, then we'll talk about the joke. So basically, this is a vehicle for Betty White. This is Betty White in all her finery. So the storyline is that the WJM gang is in a big fight at the studio, and they can't wait to go home. But uh uh-oh, there's a snowstorm. Somebody should put together a complication, a complication, a compilation of all of the snowstorm episodes of Mary Tyler Moore. I would watch all of those in one sitting. Okay, so there's a snowstorm. They can't go home, and they're stuck together in this big fight. Well, Sue Ann Nivens, Betty White comes upstairs and she's just finished um, filming her Christmas episode, which is called (laughs) Yuletide Yummies for Worldwide Tummies. And she invites everybody downstairs to have Christmas dinner with her because she's just finished this episode. And everyone's like, you're crazy, Sue Ann. It's only November. But of course, you film your Christmas episode early. So a running joke in the whole thing is that, what are we doing? It's November and we're talking about Christmas. Well, that joke doesn't play today because we start buying our Christmas stuff on (laughs) October third right okay so betty white at her best she seats everyone at the table they're all mad at each other and she insists on leading them in a very contentious round of the 12 days of christmas and the best she passes out hats Oh, yes, everybody gets a hat because it's Yuletide Yummies for Worldwide tummies. so everybody gets a hat from a different part of the world. So Mary has to wear, like, a Nazi hat or something. It's really horrible. It's really horrible. And Lou Grant has a big sombrero. Um, And the best part is Lou Grant, who refuses to sing, and every time he gets to his part, he goes, Three French hands! (laughs) I laugh every time he goes, Three French hands! And then um, Georgette, bless her heart, she cuts the tension by singing in her little Georgette voice. She starts singing Silent Night and everybody melts. It's so damn
2: funny. It's a really good one. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it in, oh my gosh, decades and just rewatched it maybe a few
0: weeks ago. And Betty White is you know, on fire. She's on yeah. fire. For sure.
1: There just was not enough time to cover everything in this show today. No, and we
0: did not even get to Christmas morning. So join us next time when we will be saving the presents you got and didn't get on Christmas morning. And until then, Michelle, where can they find us?
2: If you want to join the conversation and share your own Christmas stories, or just any stories about your 70s childhoods, make sure to follow along on social media. Uh, We share a lot of pop culture nuggets on Instagram at Pop Culture Preservation Society, on Facebook, just search Pop Culture Preservation Society, on Twitter at Pop Culture Pres 1, and on our website at
0: www.poppreservationists.com. And let's close out the show with a toast. Courtesy of Janet, Chrissy and Jack Tripper. Everybody raise your glasses
1: to good times. To happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Thanks for listening guys and we'll see you next time. Hello world is a song that we're singing. Come on get